What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. We got our first bit of game action last night with Bills at Rams, but the rest of week one is almost here. So I figured it'd be fun to take a look at each game and tell you guys how I think each one is going to play out. If I don't get to your specific player in this one, I think I will. I'm going to go over every single game, but if I happen to not do that, I'll go over even more players tomorrow and you can also see my exact rankings on my website thefantasyfootballadvice.com for also different scoring formats i spent like eight nine hours yesterday going like deep into all the projections and i feel really good about them right now so you can definitely check that out again thefantasyfootballadvice.com so with that let's go over every single game this week first up ravens at jets this game has a low-ish 44 and a half point total actually a lot of games this week with like a lower total it's a little bit weird. There's actually not a lot in the middle. So we've got a lot of games with like 42, 43, 44, and then some games with like 52, 53, 54, and there's not as many things, again, in that like 47 to 48, 49 range. But again, 44 and a half point total, Ravens at Jets. Jets are seven point home underdogs. Whenever you see a seven point home underdog, you know it is not looking great for that team. I would very much expect the Ravens to control this game throughout. And even if the Jets were to get lucky early in the game, get a quick score, maybe two quick scores, the Ravens should have no problem regaining that lead and then maintaining it. Two notes on this game. One, I'm currently expecting Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake to get the vast majority of the running back work. I don't think Dobbins is going to play, but even if he does, I think Davis and Drake are getting most of that work. The issue is that Mike Davis is bad and Kenyon Drake, you know, wasn't even on the team two weeks ago. So how much can he really be involved? This is also a spot where Baltimore can very easily win through the air. And I really think that they're going to lean on Bateman, lean on Mark Andrews a lot. I'm going to talk about them a little bit more in depth in tomorrow's video, really just how much I like them. But I think Bateman and Andrews set up in just smash spots this week. You were obviously starting Mark Andrews every week, but I think if you've got Bateman, you're absolutely playing him this week. Because again, I really don't think they can trust the running backs on this team and you know they can find success through there. It'd be one thing if like they could only run the ball, you know, against their opponent, but this is the Jets. They can throw the ball, they can run it, they can do really whatever they want. I think they're gonna choose to throw it. And so I would really want this passing attack in my lineups, not really the running backs. As for the Jets, they're unlikely to get much going. Uh, so basically, I have no interest in anyone that is not Elijah Moore. You got Elijah Moore, you can play him. I'm projecting 2.01 offensive touchdowns for the Jets. It's a really low total. They're probably not going to play well even at home. It's going to be a split between Carter and Brees Hall. I don't want anyone. If it's not Elijah Moore, I don't want anyone on that roster. Next up, Colts at Texans. Another game with a home team being a 7-point underdog. You don't see it that often, but there's actually a lot. Like The highest uh, spreads this week are actually road teams. There's a ton of really heavy road favorites. Again, not a typical week as far as that's concerned. But we can expect the Colts to pretty easily dominate on the ground in this one. Awful news if you are a Texans fan, if you have Texans players, honestly, um, this should be a game where Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, they can really get whatever they want. And while the Colts will be efficient through the air, it's not like they can't throw the ball against the Texans. 
it's just going to be so easy for them to run it that they'll use the run in play action to like kind of set up the pass, but it's not going to be a game where they're going to see high volume through the air. So if you've got Colts pass catchers, understand they're going to need to be efficient. I still think you're starting Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. I don't really see a scenario where you're, I mean, obviously you're not benching Jonathan, like Jonathan Taylor might just go nuclear this week. But for Pittman, I don't really see a scenario where you're benching him unless you want RB0 and you're like, oh, but Nick, I have four wide receiver ones or something like that. Like, unless that's the case, you're just playing Pittman. Just understand uh, he's probably not going to have like a huge amount of targets. He's probably going to need to be relatively efficient, which honestly against this defense, it probably can be. Um, I like the potential again for the Texans this season, but it's a really bad spot. 2.16 projected touchdowns for them compared to 3.11 for the Colts. Uh, you're going to hear me reference that just like a few times in this video, but there's just like a number of teams this week that have like two or even less than two projected touchdowns. And if we're not expecting the touchdowns to be scored, we're not expecting them to be efficient on offense. We're expecting the Colts to be able to run the ball easily and thus drain the clock a lot. It just doesn't set up very well for Texans players. So, uh, again, Taylor, Pittman, start them. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks and Damian Pierce are perfectly fine to play in the flex because they're going to have you know, a big share of the volume for the Texans, but they are not players that you're jamming into lineups. I think they're fine. I don't think they're elite plays. Next up, Steelers at Bengals, 44-point total. Bengals, 4.5-point home favorites. For the Bengals, uh, we've got a fantastic offensive line. We've got a team playing at home, uh, and a team that's pretty clearly better than their opponent. There's definitely a chance that the Steelers, you know, given all their playmakers, because they have really good skill players and like a lot of really good skill players, not just like one or two, it's definitely possible they're able to keep this game close and maybe only lose like 24 to 28, something like that. But my guess is that the Bengals offense is just too good. And that their defense is able to slow Trubisky because while the skill players are good, Trubisky's not all that good. So I would imagine since he gets up early, is able to run the ball a ton in the second half and finds a lot of success because they have a good offensive line. And it's an area where they can find success given the talent of their roster and the fact that, you know, the Steelers are never be able to like load the box against Mixon because you've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the outside. So sets up a game, sets up like a game where the passing offense is going to look fantastic early and can be like highly efficient. It's going to look like they're going to hit these like true ceilings, but they'll probably again be up in the second half. And the Bengals are a team that is perfectly willing to sit on that lead. If they're up, you know, 14, 17 points in, in the second half, run the ball at a pretty high rate. And if they're going to be very efficient in doing that, maybe we don't see a true ceiling hit for Chase and Higgins. Now you're starting Chase. You're starting Higgins. Uh, you're starting again Mixon, Burrow. You're starting all of them. I just think relative to like the draft cost, I guess, where you drafted them in fantasy, I think Mixon owners will come out of this one the happiest. On the Steelers side, always start Najee Harris. You don't have to have me go over that one. Um, I actually have them projected only 1.95 projected touchdowns this week. That is worse than the Jets, worse than the Texans. So I'm not thinking they're going to be all that good this week. Um, I would be down on most of their players. And honestly, Najee Harris is probably the only one I would want to start. You can play Deontay Johnson in the flex. I would prefer not to. Next up, we've got 49ers at Bears. And what do you know? Another game with a seven-point home underdog. 49ers defensive line is going to swallow up 
the Bears' offensive line. It is unlikely the Bears are going to be able to stop the 49ers on the ground. We should see a lot of Elijah Mitchell and very limited passing volume overall. That is the one concern. Now, the outlook for Brandon Ayuk is going to change if Kittle is out because now you take an offense that had three players getting most of the targets and you make it two players getting most of the targets. So now, if it's only Ayuk and Debo, we can feel really good about both of them because such a high percentage of targets are going there. If Kittle plays, it definitely mutes my interest. And honestly, both Kittle, because he's a little bit banged up and they're going to run at a time, and also Ayuk, because while Ayuk will be efficient, have a nice downfield role, it's like, I don't expect very many targets in this game, because again, they're going to be able to run the ball a ton. And you have to think, if they get up by like, you know, 10, 13, 14 points by like halftime, and there's going to be so many rush attempts that you're going to need a touchdown from Kittle, you're going to need a touchdown from Brandon Ayuk. So you're playing Debo, you're definitely playing Elijah Mitchell. I think if you drafted Kittle, you know, in round like five, six, you just like have to play him if he's active. Um, but Ayuk could probably be one where you'd usually maybe want to be starting him, but I don't know if I do that this week. For the Bears, uh, Montgomery and Mooney should have a large enough like opportunity share amongst like the whole offense to where even though I really don't like the Bears offense this week, lowest projected touchdown total of any team this week for my projections, 1.74. Not expecting good production. You basically are going to need a touchdown from one of them to pay off. But like I said, I think both will have a large enough share of the offense where I'm good playing either of them in the flex. Um, that's probably all I'd want to do. It's likely you might have to play Montgomery at running back two. In which case, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, just understand, like, I don't, I don't expect good things for the Bears offense this week. Next up, Patriots at Dolphins. 46.5 point total, 3.5 point home favorites for the Dolphins. I actually like the under in this spot. It's not really a spot I want to attack anywhere. Um, the Patriots offense did not look good in camp. And while sometimes that happens and teams still go out there and perform really well, I think there's merit. Uh, to the fact that they just haven't been able to do a whole lot. Now, they have a good defense. The Dolphins have a really good defense. And so it's like this game sets up to one where it's like they're divisional opponents. They know each other. And while both offenses are going to be different than in previous years, like they still know each other. They still know each other's tendencies. And so it sets up to me like a game that's going to be kind of gross. There's going to be maybe a lot of punts early on that – both teams aren't going to really be able to find their footing. And so I don't really want ancillary players. I think you're starting Tyree Kill every week. And I would say all of like Waddle, Stevenson, Edmonds, Harris are going to be involved enough in the offense where they're all perfectly fine to throw into the flex spot, hope for a touchdown, hope for like a busted long play. But it's not a game environment where I expect things to pop off. And I think it's pretty like I pretty it's pretty likely the, the four players I just mentioned that are like all kind of like flex worthy. I think it's pretty likely two of them bust. Like two of them just don't really do all that much. I have no idea which two it's going to be. I don't think anyone does. And so it's like play Tyree Kill. If you have an option for these other players that you could bring them out and put someone else in the flex in that you really do like, I'd probably go that direction. I really just don't love this game in general. We've got a fun one up next uh not usually a fun one uh, but it's browns at panthers and you're like well, what how is that fun baker baker wants to steamroll the browns i feel like did i even say the game right browns at panthers i feel like i said jets or something i don't know whatever i said 
Browns at Panthers. Like, Baker, I mean, you look at the comments. Like, this dude wants to go out there and throw seven touchdowns. Now, unfortunately, he does play for the Panthers. And so, you know, the most likely outcome is not that Baker goes out there, throws for like 350 yards and four touchdowns. Like, certainly possible. Baker feels like the kind of guy who really wants that to happen. And it seems like, you know, if he gets rolling, which again, he's on the Panthers, so he's probably not going to get rolling. But if he were to, I mean, the team's obviously going to let him keep going, right? Now, the Panthers are one and a half point home favorites. Uh, the total is pretty low, 42 points. I think the Browns would, like, I think the Browns are the better team. And so if there was no narrative here, I, I do think the Browns would be like one to two point road favorites. I think because of the narrative, it's kind of, you know, shifted the line a little bit more towards the Panthers. But the Browns are the better team. The Browns should be able to just run the ball, keep giving it to Chubb, give it to Kareem Hunt, and just continue ground and pound, uh, throw occasionally, throw on play action, uh, throw on, of course, obvious passing downs. But for the most part, I think they want to run the ball. And I think they'll be relatively successful in doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into, like, you know, a game where Chubb's running it, McCaffrey's running it. Uh, the Panthers are like fine on offense, but aren't that great. They're kind of moving up and down the field a little bit, not scoring too much. And you get to like the fourth quarter and it's, you know, 17 to 20 and the team of 20s up and they're just running it. And like, it feels like a game that could just be kind of like, eh, like not, not that great. Um, fortunately for us, I mean, let's be honest, like there's not that many players on these offenses that we have like a ton of interest in. And like the high end is an obvious start. So like you're starting McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Nick Chubb. Like I really don't care what the matchup is, you're starting them. And then if you've gotten Joku, you need to play him at tight end, go for it. It's a tight end that's going to get four to six targets. Hopefully he scores. That's what all those guys are. Um, But outside of that, it's not like there's very many fringe players in this game anyways. And so whether it pops off, doesn't pop off, like you're starting the same players. Kareem Hunt is just like a you know, do you need him, right? Like, if you don't need him, don't play him. Not a spot where I really expect a high Kareem Hunt total. Um, but yeah, it's a game where you don't want ancillary players, but they don't really have any, so it's not, you know, the end of the world. Eagles at Lions up next. This game has a higher 49-point total. Eagles are only four-point road favorites. Uh, kind of speaking to what we've talked about over the offseason, that the Lions are actually a decent team and definitely underrated by the public i think the public would go into this game expecting you know the lions to be maybe like six or seven point underdogs against the eagles with how much like hype there's been about the eagles but again it's only four points now this one actually has a wide range of outcomes um either team could get up early and force the other one to throw at a higher rate and both offenses are pretty good and so we could see a back and forth game here which you know as a viewer obviously We'd love to see. Like, we would love to see one team get up 10 nothing in the first two drives and then seeing, like, a back-and-forth aerial attack. And you'd probably want the Lions to be that team that gets up early. But know this. Both teams have, like, top five, top seven offensive lines. Both would prefer to be a little bit more run-heavy than your average team. And if neither team pulls out to, like, a two-score lead early on, we could see a back-and-forth game where both teams are running it more than people expect, which will lead to fewer overall plays and fewer fantasy points, obviously, because a carry is the worst thing that can happen in fantasy, right? If you're fading a game, you want carries. There's no reception. There's less of a chance of a touchdown. There's less potential yardage. Like, it's just not, I guess, potential yardage, but there's less average yardage in that play. Like, you know, a five-yard carry is half a point for one player, and it might take 40 seconds off the clock. 
So if that keeps happening, you're not going to get these spikes. Ultimately, you're starting Swift, you're starting Motor St. Brown and Hawkinson. For the Lions, for the Browns, you're starting A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. No matter how the game turns out, I think you have to start those players. Miles Sanders and Devonta Smith are more like flex plays. Really comes down to what your team looks like and which game outcome you expect to happen. If you really do think this game pops off and it's back and forth, start both of them. The talented players, larger on the offense, they're going to be good. Um, if you you know have other players and you're like, I kind of agree this might be more of a ground and pound game, don't play. Again, it really just comes down to what does your bench look like. Eighth game on our list, Saints at Falcons. This one is a low. 42-point total, Saints, five-and-a-half-point road favorites. Falcons are going to have some good games this year in future years. There's potential there, right? This week, I'm not seeing it. The Saints have an extremely strong defense. They should be able to take Drake London out of the game if they want to. I don't know that they will. Maybe they'll focus more on pits. But whatever they want to do, they'll be able to do. This is the first game that we're going to be seeing Marcus Mariota under center. And really the only one on this entire offense I would start is Kyle Pitts. For the Saints, you know, they're likely going to be more pass heavy than people think on average. But there's no reason to think they're going to air it out this week. They just don't have to. Now, I see the five and a half point total and I'm like, maybe I'm wrong here. But it feels like the Saints should very easily be able to control the game. And it's like the only way they kind of don't is if they make mistakes in the passing attack. So they should be pretty balanced, run the ball, be conservative on offense, which again, on average, I don't think is going to happen. I do think they're going to be more aggressive and more pass heavy, but it's not a game where they need to be that way. It's a win. And so Michael Thomas, fine. Olave, fine in deeper formats, but Honestly, I think you're starting Kamara and like Thomas is like a flex play. But other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of interest in this game. I really don't think it's that one that I really want to attack. We've got a riveting game up next between the Jaguars and the Commanders. 44 point total. Commanders, two and a half point home favorites. Most likely outcome, gross overall. I mean, neither team has an elite defense. So you could be like, oh, won't the offenses run back and forth? Not really, uh, just because. They're uninspiring offenses. They're, they're just not teams that we're expecting, you know, explosive games from. Uh, if you are trying to attack this spot, I think you're just sticking to the guys that we know. You're starting Etienne. You're starting McLaurin. You're starting Gibson. We know they're going to have a good role in the offense. We know they're going to be solid. Uh, I think Kirk, I think Dotson are really interesting cheap plays in DFS. And it's certainly possible one of them ends up on my DraftKings roster this week. But I don't think either one of them is a must. I think Kirk is the one where more people will be willing to play him. And you guys know that decision I have, him versus Devonta Smith. I'm going with Christian Kirk. I have him ranked as a wide receiver 27 last time I looked. I believe it's the same right now. Um, but that one, it just so much depends on what you have. If he was like your fifth wide receiver, there's no reason to play Christian Kirk this week. If he's your fourth wide receiver, like he is for me, and maybe you want to play him in that second flex spot, I think that is absolutely fine. I think the target share is going to be there. I think the upside is there because also, you know, the Jaguars could be a solid, at least okay offense. And so Kirk would be the one I have most interest in there. Uh, but again, it's not a game where you want a ton of players in. Final one o'clock game, Giants at Titans. 43 and a half point total, five and a half point home favorites for the Titans. Uh, 
Titans are at home. Titans are favored. Don't have AJ Brown anymore. Facing a poor run defense. I mean, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Like this is an explosion spot for Derrick Henry. It doesn't mean he's going to have one of his 153 touchdown games, but it means they're going to lean on him. He's probably going to be good, and that's probably how the game is going to go. My interest for you know all other Titans players is not that high. It's going to be a low volume passing game. Uh, they have an ambiguous target share heading into Week One, so I would avoid all non-Derrick Henry Titans players for the Giants. It means they're going to be behind, uh, likely. Maybe they have fewer plays overall. If Henry's going to get maybe like you know twenty-five to thirty touches in this game, that can slow the clock. That can make it you know so that the Giants have less offensive opportunities. But they want to throw the ball anyways. You know, it, it could be consolidated depending on who plays. Check the injury report before this game. I would say Saquon's an obvious start. Tony and Wandale are interesting, but I would say for most of you in a season-long format. You probably don't need to go to Tony or Wandell this week. Let's see how it plays out. I think they're very interesting on DraftKings. They're like 4,100 and like 3K flat. So they're guys I might use this week. But in season long, I don't know. I, I don't. I think I want to watch this Giants offense for everyone that is not Saquon. Start Saquon. Everyone else, meh, probably not. Four o'clock games. Um, all good. Honestly, from this point on, every single game is going to be awesome. Packers at... Vikings 47 point total Vikings one and a half point home favorites this game is going to attract a lot of attention but there's one thing that could have me concerned Packers want to play slow right especially with their wide receiver core and you know their limited wide receiver core being banged up right now with Lazard maybe not playing so you have that you've got a total that's dropping now down to 47 if Green Bay gets up early and Minnesota struggles at all, which is possible because the Packers have a pretty good defense, then we might see limited total plays from both sides, which would cause many players to disappoint. So if you have players in this game, the last thing you want to see is for like the Vikings to start off, go three and out, Packers to kick a field goal, Vikings to be inefficient again, punt the ball, Packers to score. That is not what you want to see. Now the Packers are up. They're going to be bleeding the play clock down to like one, two seconds every play. They're going to run the ball a ton. And you're going to need the Vikings to catch up. But there's a flip side here. If the Vikings are able to find success early on and force Green Bay to air it out a little bit more and to play a little bit faster, this game can shoot out. So this game still has 34-30 in its range of outcomes where we have smash spots from everyone in this game but again we don't know which one is going to happen it really depends on what starts out in the game i think you're starting jefferson starting dalvin cook starting out adam thielen and irv smith on the viking side and then both aaron jones and aj dylan for the packers i think because of the potential of this game you just have to do that lazard's the one question mark and my answer really comes down to health Hopefully, it's a 4 o'clock game, so hopefully we know Sunday morning exactly what's going to happen. If he's active and good to go, I think you're playing him in the flex. If he's inactive, I mean, it really just makes it so that like if you have either of the running backs, you're definitely playing them, but I would still stay away from all Packers wide receivers. I think it would be a big rotation. Watkins would be the one that rises the value the most, but it'd be a big rotation. I wouldn't want to attack it. Next up, Raiders at Chargers. 52.5 point total, Chargers 3.5 point 
home favorites. This is another one that is kind of tough to figure out exactly how it's going to play out, but it honestly doesn't really matter. Like no matter how this game plays out, what you think happens, you're starting Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams for the Chargers, Adams and Waller for the Raiders. The only decision points in this game really comes down to Jacobs and Hunter Renfro. I personally would not play Jacobs in week one. I want to see what the split is. I don't trust him enough to where I want to play him. So I would keep him on the bench and for Renfro. It does a little bit come down to how you see this game playing out. I think there's a chance that we see both teams really aired out, in which case, you know, you're going to see seven, eight, maybe nine targets to Renfro and it'd be worthwhile in the flex. One thing with Renfro is the ceiling's not really there. So if you're a big underdog, maybe don't play Renfro in the flex because he's probably not going to score like 25 points. Maybe play someone else who has a higher ceiling because we're just not going to see Renfro go out there and have 12 targets, which is something he needs to hit like a true 25-point ceiling unless he gets super lucky with touchdowns. Final 4 o'clock game, Chiefs at Cardinals. Highest total game of the season so far, 54 points, and the Chiefs are six-point road favorites, which is a pretty impressive line. I honestly don't have a great feel for exactly how this game is going to play out, but it could very easily turn into the game of the week. And so if you're on the fence about a player in this game and a player in another game, you probably just want to start the player in this game. Personally, I think all of Kelsey, Juju, Marquise Brown, James Conner are must plays. I would get them into your starting lineup with Clyde being perfectly fine to use in the flex spot not someone you need to start because I don't really know what his involvement is going to be I'm not like 100% convinced he's the clear one but again if it's between Clyde and someone else projected very similarly and ranked similarly to him well Clyde's in this game which could pop off for like 60 points and so I probably want to just play Clyde Um, but it's those other players that are more just DFS plays for me MVS, Hardman, Rondell Moore, Sky Moore, like any of them can get loose deep. Any of them can have like four for 152 touchdowns. But for us to sit here and say that we know it's going to be MVS this week or Hardman or Moore or the other Moore, like I think they're reserved for GPPs on DraftKings. I, I don't I don't think you can play them in a season-long format unless it's like 16 teams with multiple flex spots. Sunday night game. Bucks at Cowboys. This game has a 51 point total bucks two and a half point road favorites and to be honest this one's similar to the last game like you know you're starting your studs evans um leonard fournette lamb and schultz like you you just know you're starting those players what it comes down to is these these running backs in the flex spot um i actually think both zeke and pollard are flex viable this week i shared my thoughts on the monday video so check that one out if you want a deeper look at those two um but i think you're playing both of them in the flex and these other players, um, basically, like, I don't want any ancillary players other than that, other than, like, the core four on Dallas. And then when you go to Tampa Bay, it depends on Godwin. I honestly don't think Godwin plays, but even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. So you're not starting Godwin. Don't have him in your starting lineup. I don't know that you're even starting anyone else, though. If you have to play Julio or Gage, you know, if Godwin is confirmed out, I think they're both fine. They're going to get good volume. But I would want them to be confirmed out. And I just don't know that, or I want Goblin obviously to be confirmed out. I don't know that we're going to get that news before 1 o'clock. And so for me to sit here in a week with no buys and limited injuries, saying that you're going to start Julio or Gage in your flex, it's like, well, who are you starting them over? Like that you probably got them in round like 9 or 10. So that's eight different players. Unless you have 
multiple flex spots. You've got a really, you know, I guess deep starting lineup. You've got a ton of starting players. You probably just don't have to do that. But again, it would be fine if we get Godwin out. Final game of the week is a fun one. Denver at Seattle. Russ returns to Seattle uh, right away. Good on the schedule makers for making that happen. Um, and I think he's going to rip apart the Seahawks defense. I don't think this game is going to be close. I think Russ wants to throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns. We're not projecting that to happen, but I think it's in the range of outcomes. You're starting Sutton. You're starting Judy. You're starting Javante Williams. You're starting Russell Wilson, obviously. Melvin Gordon, honestly fine as a desperation play at running back two if you need it. For Seattle, I don't think uh, Ken Walker is going to be active this week. I think he's going to be inactive. And so I would honestly plan on starting Penny. And I have him in one of my three leagues. I am just planning on starting Rashad Penny this week because the expected volume if Walker's out is massive. But aside from that, you can start Metcalf. You can start Lockett as high upside flex options. But we went over that in, I believe, the Wednesday video this week. You play them in a game where you need that production. You need 30 points. But both of them have a floor of three this week and a ceiling of 30 and so if you are favored to win and you don't need the upside you don't want to risk a three-point performance from this player don't play either of them but if you're the underdog you need the potential to score 25 30 points well they have that in the range of outcomes either one of them can have 150 and three touchdowns so if you need that upside play them i don't have them in any leagues so i can't tell you what i'm doing but i would prefer not to so that is the end of this very long breakdown of every single game in week one. I'll be back tomorrow to go over my favorite plays this week. And I'll have another underdog pick them for you guys for week one. Remember, my exact rankings for week one up on the website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. So if you have any further questions, my rankings will answer those. That, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button? And how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.